back in uh, early December 2012, um, Utah State basketball had an experience similar to one that's being played out on national media uh, this week with what happened with DeMar Hamlin on Monday Night Football. And for, for us close to home, it was Danny Berger who had a cardiac incident uh, in a practice, and uh, it was a pretty traumatic situation. Uh, they were preparing for BYU, who they were going to play the next day. That game got postponed. I think it even got canceled. I don't know if it ever got remade uh, or made up and, and replayed. Uh, but uh, one of the guys who was on the scene and really saved Danny's life was head trainer Mike Williams. And he's still a trainer at Utah State. And he joins us now here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Mike, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys calling. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you hadn't been – had you been with Utah State for very long before you became, like, the, the head trainer at that moment, or at least the, the trainer involved with, uh, uh, with basketball? I had. I had. At that point, uh, I had been here, I believe, 14 years, 13, 14 years. Oh, gosh. Um, You've been here then, for a while. And then I... after that, the next year, I was made the head athletic trainer. So I was the assistant. Uh, and basketball was my main responsibility at that point. Yeah, sorry. I, I've forgotten just how long you've been attached to this university. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, it, walk us through that, that day. And if uh, As I've just kind of set that up, that it was a, it was a practice. It was it in the spectrum or was it, um, it somewhere else where the team was practicing? It was in the spectrum, and it was the day before our BYU game. Uh, so it really wasn't that hard of a practice, and it was really just kind of a normal day for us. Day before, you know, the bus was was out front getting ready to take us down to the BYU game that night. And uh, if I remember right, it was kind of towards the end of practice, and it was you know watching uh, Demar Hamlin. It was it was similar. Danny didn't take a hit uh, like Demar did, but the drill had just gotten over. And he walked, was walking off the court and, and just collapsed. So nothing, nothing extremely exertional, no, no big hit, um, just a straight-up cardiac event. So like, what's the is – there an, is there an initial reaction for you at that moment, or is it just instinct where you just immediately go into, you know, you know administering medical care at that point? Well, it's, uh, some of it's instinct, some of it's experience. Um, and I was actually down at the other end of the court, uh, and I, I saw him go down. I, I stood up to walk down there, and, and you could tell that it wasn't, you know, a guy, a guy sprains an ankle or something, they're rolling around, so it's not, like, absolutely urgent. But you could tell there was no motion, there was no movement, there was no nothing. So, so I ran down there, um, and uh, you, you initially, at the, at the time, I was actually our uh, CPR instructor for our athletics department. So I taught courses every year on it, and so that, that just kind of kicks in that you, you look down, you check the pulse. Um, he, had, he had started to turn, uh, lips started to turn blue, lack of oxygen, started CPR, uh, call for the AED, uh, our, our student manager, you know, a few things that, that I don't know if people really remember. Our student manager actually went and got the AED, and um, our uh, he brought it down, and our assistant coach, Cody Feger, is the one who actually brought it over and handed it to me. So, and that all happened, and that was within within a minute and a half to two minutes, if I remember right, we had the AED on him. And that's, 
that's really what saved his life. Now, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I know this has been ten years, and there's a lot yeah. that I've forgotten, but if I'm not mistaken, it was it was not really commonplace to have an AED device in in a lot of uh, facilities like they are now, and that was kind of a big deal that that you you guys even had one at the time. Is 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 that is that correct? It, it is. We we actually had uh, one or two in our department, and um, and. Uh, we didn't. We had one in the spectrum, but that one at that time, actually, somebody had called uh, the Ryan Gomes Foundation. Uh, had had talked to us. Uh, I don't remember if it was that summer before, but they actually donated one, and that happened to be the one that was in the training room at the Spectrum. So that's the one we used. And since then, I mean, some things that happened right after that, we uh, we had to go. Daddy and I had to go down to the state legislation and. At that point, they didn't even have them in police cars. So um, they passed legislation. If I remember right, it was about $300,000 a year that was going to go to AEDs. So they're trying to get them in all police cars. And I'm not sure how many in the state now have them, but, but a lot of them do because of that incident. And our campus, we went out. and I don't, I don't remember the numbers that we bought, but every building on campus now has AEDs all because of that situation so really raised a lot of awareness which you know it turned out it was a good thing from that standpoint so no it was not commonplace at that then but I, I don't think people knew the general public didn't know how how effective they are at saving a life I mean CPR all that does is push push the oxygen push the blood around get that flowing a little bit the AED is what really restarts the heart so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the officers in the moment where you're trying to just, you know, emergency or restart a heart or, or get the vitals going. Like, what's the whole process of recovering from something like that like where you know, your heart stops? Like, what is the long-term recovery and in, in rehabilitation from that? You know, Danny obviously came back and played basketball. But like, yeah. you know, what's it like just maybe getting back to normal, you know, in a near-death you know, experience? That, that's, a hard, that's a hard question because there are so many variables of, how long before you got an AED? How how much uh, oxygen deprivation was there? How long before they got him down to the hospital and get the heart cooled down to decrease the swelling? So, Danny's was fortunate, and and since this incident, I actually um, Coach Durier reached out to me the other day uh, after this happened, just to say it brought up memories and stuff. And um, after after it happened with Danny. Um, there really wasn't, there, there was a lot of outpouring of support from the community. So that was, that was really nice. And Danny's recovery, because it happened in the gym, because we had the AED, because, I mean, I remember I was doing the, the CPR, put the AED on, and it shocked him. And I had, the pulse came back. I remember turning around and seeing the campus police and the EMTs coming down the tunnel in the spectrum. So, I mean, that was three, four minutes. And because we're such a small town, the ambulance is so close, he didn't have much damage. And for him to have full memory, like he remembered uh, um, passing out. So it was, uh, he was an unusual case and it was very fortunate, but they can be anything to where they do have, you know, maybe some brain damage, maybe some oxygen dep deprivation damage. Um, and recovery is basically just education of re retraining yourself, retreating yourself. 
Danny was up and back at the game that, that Saturday, and um, he was in a swing for, I don't know, three, four weeks, and then he, he started our summer workouts that next summer. So once, once everything is restored and the heart is healthy, you, in some cases you can get right back into activity within a few months, but um, it really depends on how much damage is done. And in, in this case, watching it, and I, I've been following it pretty closely, um, and, and the staff there seemed like they did an incredible job with their emergency plan. So hopefully he was getting oxygen uh, to his brain through their CPR, and, and they restarted the heart. So hopefully there's not much damage. The, the, the prayers are that, you know, that he, he recovers and has a full recovery. And, but in a cardiac arrest, it can be anything from full recovery to death. And there's a wide array of things that can happen um, uh, for that recovery. Uh, I wish I could give you a more clear answer on you, you sprain an ankle, you ice it, you get swelling down, you get range of motion, you get strength back. Um, a cardiac arrest is, is way different than that. Again, we're talking to uh, Mike Williams, head trainer for Utah State Athletics, who was uh, on the scene when uh, a little over 10 years ago, Danny Berger, basketball player for Utah State, collapsed in a practice, uh, had a, a cardiac um, incident himself. Different situation than what we saw on Monday Night Football and how it occurred. Um, but for when that, when that uh, event happened this week, uh, you've kind of already alluded to it, but how many people have reached out to you and what has it been like for you kind of reliving that moment that you were involved with 10 years ago? You know, I actually haven't had very many people uh, reach out to me. Um, I've had a, I've had a few, and and it's it's been nice. I, I have followed it. It, it, it it's hard to say because I was never comfortable with Danny um, until they had the ventilator out, until he was talking, until he was up and around. Because you just don't you don't know what direction it's going to go until all that happens. So that's when I became comfortable of okay, he's 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 good. He's back. So. Um, it, it has made me relive a lot of that stuff. Like I, like I say, I got on yesterday and was was looking at some of the news articles and everything from back then, and um, the emotions, the TV, seeing all the players around. I remember when this first happened. I mean, the reporters were actually walking into the spectrum because they were they were going to do post practice interviews for the game the next day. And they, they walk in and they see an ambulance out front and I made them ask some questions. And I, I went up into the training room and one of the players was up there. The majority of them had gone to the locker room because they came down. When it happened, coach sent everybody to the locker room. Well, they, they didn't go to the locker room. They, they came down. Some of them stood in the tunnel. And I went up to the training room right after and one of them was up there just crying. And so... For me to see, you know, those players and those coaches, that's the stuff. I I didn't pay attention to that when it happened with Danny because I was busy with Danny. But afterwards, seeing that, seeing the, the guys, you know, going down to the hospital, Coach Moore going down to the hospital, all that, those are the memories that kind of brought up the, the feelings of the family. And yeah, you know, you just kind of pray for all of them and hope that it all works out. So you kind of touched on this, but how just – emotionally taxing is it on, you know, a team of you're there in the locker room and with the team, like obviously Danny got better. You said, you know, pretty quick where he was all, all right. They knew he'd be all right. But like how emotionally taxing is it on a team for something like that to happen? And they have to turn around and, uh, you know, play a basketball game within, you know, a handful of days. 
Yeah, it's it's extremely taxing. It's really hard. And in our case, we were fortunate that he did survive. So that that made it, you know, the, the game was a little bit of a celebration of him being back. So if it would have gone the other way and there would have been permanent damage or, or even death, uh, that would have been, you know, to play a game four days later, that it would have been really, really hard. I, I don't know if you can get that out of your head of watching that and, um, you would you would hope that everybody eventually will move on, but those are tragic events. And he, he, to to turn around and play and play at your best a few days later, I, that would be extremely taxing. It would be really hard on the staff, you know, the medical staff. That like it would have been really hard on me, knowing that you do everything you can, and it still doesn't work out the way you you would want it to work out. So it, it's emotionally draining um even just being down in the hospital and just waiting and and that's all you can do is wait and that that stuff will wear on you it wears on players it wears on coaches and we again we were fortunate that it came out the way it did one of the things that um you know the the incident this monday has has done is kind of focused our attention on people like you, or the, the trainers that are on the field, first responders, and their job and their role and how quickly they jumped into action to you know, save a life. And right. just as you've kind of looked at the incidents from this week, what did you observe and what they did on the field and how they responded to a situation that was playing out in front of, well, on national television? Yeah, you know, I, and I, I don't know them so to say, but – I know the NFL has emergency action plans, which we do at universities, and I would hope all high schools do. To me, it seemed like they, they did an exceptional job with what they were doing. When you're on the field with any athlete, you don't, you don't think about TV. You don't think about national recognition. You don't watching. You are focused on that person. So I, I would doubt they really thought about much of that until after the fact when they're reliving it seeing it on TV. So that's it, being on that stage and at that level, that's, that's something that they are trained for, but they're still human beings. You know, they, they still have to deal with all the emotions and everything, the, the, the spotlight and the money and all that of the NFL. It can't take away that. These are, these are still real people that we're talking about. So, uh, just kind of one more question for me. Like, so, you know, we mentioned Danny did come back. Like, what was that, you know, first game back when he first, you know, steps out into the court again? What was like that, I guess, like for you and for the whole team, uh, just seeing him not only survive, but uh, be able to, you know, live his dream and play college basketball again, if just for, you know, one more season? Yeah, you know, for him it was a year year later because it was the next fall. And so it was, it was rewarding to see it. The emotion, by that time he'd been through a lot of practice and stuff, so it was, it was just Danny, you know. It was just another, another, another practice, another game. But, um, but if it would have been like if he came back like three or four weeks later, it would have been a whole different story. But you, you, the emotion uh, in in this case kind of wore off. You were grateful, but it's like okay, it happened. It, it, it's over. You're back. You're better. You're good. Let's go on with life. And he took that approach, and I took that approach, and and I, I was excited for him. I was happy for him, but. Um, it was it was a year later, so we had had time to process everything as we moved on. 
Did you have any like anxiety level anytime he stepped on the court that maybe something else could happen uh, again, or was it once he had the device implanted in his chest and you'd seen him in practices that that's kind of been moved on? Yeah, I actually didn't, but uh, you know, Doctor Jared Bunch um, was the cardiologist that worked with him, and we had several conversations about Doc. Are you sure this is good? And I mean, he's he's got a defibrillator in his chest, so if it ever happens again. It'll shock him, and then I don't have to. So I, I really never had any anxiety um, with him playing. You know, the first couple of practice, maybe you kind of keep an eye on it. But after that, it was just normal, go play basketball. Um, I don't know if he really had any anxiety. I don't remember talking to him specifically about that at that point. Um, but I, I, after that, he went and played in Europe for a while. So he um, must not have been too worried about it. I guess last question for me, just as as people really around the, the country are kind of seeing this thing unfold with with uh, with Hamlin and and just you know what uh, as a medical professional as a trainer, I mean, any advice you could give people as we're just kind of waiting to see what what happens here or what could could still unfold, or is it just hope and put our faith in in the professionals that are working with uh, with Demar right now and his family. Right now, I think that's all you can do is you hope and pray for them. Um, there, there's not much else you can do. They sound like they're at an exceptional clinic. Um, they've got top-notch care. Um, so it's it's just he's he's fighting right now, is my my guess. And you've you've got to pray, and that's about all we can do to support him. You know, support the families. I've noticed his uh, his charity has has raised millions of dollars, which I think is a great thing. Um, but other than that, it's just keep the family and the and the and him specifically, and and then the other athletes, the other teammates, keep them in their thoughts and prayers. Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on and joining us. I know it was super short notice, but uh, it's a it's a unique perspective, uh, a local perspective on, on a national story, and we always appreciate uh, uh, you ending you know lending some of your experience and expertise and uh, what a, what an experience that you had to go through. And uh, this university kind of family went through over about a decade ago um, with a similar situation playing out on in the in the, na- in the nation really with the Monday Night Football. So, yeah. thanks so much for coming on in short notice and talking about it. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you guys, and uh, good luck with everything. All right, thank you. Right, Once care. again, uh, Mike Williams, head trainer for Utah State Athletics. Um, and uh, reliving what happened 10 years ago in a practice at Utah State basketball, Danny Berger collapsed with the cardiac incident um, and a little bit different circumstances as to what caused it, but still nonetheless very traumatic just to be around and be a part of.